Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm Ellen Parson, Editor-in-Chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with three top executives from electrical design firms that are featured in ECNM's 2021 Top 40 Electrical Design Firms Special Report and Rankings, which is currently online and will be coming out in our June print issue soon. They're here today to talk with us about important issues like how leading electrical design firms navigated the pandemic, what new revenue streams have emerged, how they position their firms for growth, and what type of modifications they've made to stay competitive. Today, I have with us Kevin Reddick with Smith Seckman Reed, Matt Goss with CDM Smith, and Mark Torrey with JBNB. ECNM On Air is one of the many new benefits available to our members only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com in the drop-down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. I'm gonna let our guests introduce themselves and their firms briefly today before we jump right into the questions. Kevin, would you like to begin? Yes, thank you, Ellen. My name is Kevin Reddick. I'm a principal with Smith, Seckman & Reed. I've been in the electrical engineering business for 40 years. I've been with Smith, Seckman & Reed now for over two years, and I am their technical resource group leader. Our firm is over 400 people with six major offices, and we specialize in healthcare um, and sports and entertainment. Okay, great. Matt, could you go next? Sure, thanks, Alan. Uh, Matt Goss, I'm a senior vice president and a, the MEP and energy practice leader at CDM Smith. CDM Smith is a uh, 5,000 plus employee global consulting, engineering, and construction firm focused on water, environment, energy, transportation, and facility solutions. Okay, thank you, Mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mark Torrey, uh, Jaros Bowles, Bowles, JBNB. I'm a managing partner, been with the firm for 34 years. I'm an electrical engineer by trade. Uh, JBB has been around for a long time, a progressive engineering firm um, in uh, New York, Boston, and Philadelphia with 300 people and specialize in uh, healthcare, life science, commercial, residential, and, and many more. Okay, great. So we've got some heavy hitters here today and I'm sure we're gonna learn a lot from them. Um, so now that we know a little bit more about our guests, let's go ahead and jump right into some of the questions. Um, I'd like to start with, um, I'm gonna admit the, the results from our survey this year, every year ECNM sends out at our top 40 electrical design firm survey. And every year the, the results are a little bit different depending on who fills out the survey. Um, obviously with the pandemic going on, I personally figured that the numbers would be down this year. Um, so just to explain, we are going by the previous year's numbers. So the 2021 top 40 list is based on the 2020 numbers for the full year. So the 2020 list was based on 2019. So from the 2019 numbers, the total collective group had a combined electrical design revenue of 2.19 billion. And then the 2021 number came in 4.8% higher at 2.3 billion. So I guess what I wanted to start with, does that surprise you, any of you, or given the impact of the pandemic, or um, does that not surprise you? Why, are, why or why not? 
I'll start if you want. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, I think that there will be whatever impacts come out of the pandemic we're going to see in this current year that we're in right now, right? A lot of the the revenue that we saw that would account for the increase was work that was already won and in progress, right? So a lot of that needs taken into account, right? Because we're kind of you know finishing it up. I think one of the other things too, as you look as it's related to, we're talking design services only here. People get annual increases, their raises, that is gonna take out at least a couple of percentage points out of that. So when you're looking outside of salaries and things like that, you're probably really only talking about one and a half to two percent of market gain globally, okay. right? If you're looking at it from a higher level. Yeah, Alan, I'm with you. I, I we were surprised, um, and it sounds like I read, uh, you know, read about Matt and his firm, so much bigger. And I think on the bigger firms, it might have been, you know, a little easier. We we were down about fifteen percent last year, and this year so far is is maintaining about the same. A lot of our work, you know, developers stopped not knowing what was coming. Um, some of that is starting to ease up right now, and we're hoping the end of the year will be stronger. Um, but uh, for us, um, you know, it, it was surprising that, uh, that the majority were up, or at least the percentage were up. We were, you know, as, as Mark talked about, I think, you know, the bigger firms, I think, did much better in 2020 than some of us, our smaller firms, the couple hundred size firms. We had a pretty roller coaster year, and we'll and I can talk about that more later on. But uh, you know, the beginning of the year, because we're very healthcare orientated, was very fast paced. I mean, to try to do everything for COVID, and then we had the middle of the year where the elective surgery stuff, renovations just fell off the table, and then we the end of the year picked back up. Um, but we are starting to see. Um, we're biting into our, our, our workload now. The work is not pouring in as fast as we thought it would be. Um, so um, we're starting to eat into our backlog. Uh, but we were down, just like Mark, we were down 10, 15% last year also. Okay, that kind of ties in with my next comment, which is about another question we asked all the respondents was to characterize the business climate. So obviously that was not you know, nearly as good as it usually is. It dropped from 74% of them saying that the climate was strong in 2020 to 30% this year. So only 30% said it was strong. Yet a lot of the companies still met or exceeded their revenue goals. So that was a little bit of a disconnect there for me. So um, could you give our readers, I'm, Mark and Kevin kind of already talked about that, how their firms were doing in um, 2020. Um, but how do you expect that to change for this year or maybe even into 2022. I was interested in seeing how you think that's going to transition. Hopefully the end of this year and certainly next year should be much stronger for our firm. Right. Okay. I, I'm the same feeling as Mark. Um, it's It's been a very interesting transition from 2020 to 2021. I mean, we were preparing for the worst. I mean, going into 21, we were... We are in the talks of, you know, okay, how do we line up our people? What do we do if the workload doesn't come in? And we hit January and the workload started taking off. And so we're seeing 2021 looking like it's going to be a banner year for us. But we've now started to see it mid-year here. We're starting to see a little bit of cooling. We're not, so we're still not sure where 
where it's totally going to end up at the end of the year. We still think we're going to hit our numbers, but um, not blasting by them like we originally thought. Okay, so it sounds like everything is still, you know, it's still unpredictable because obviously we don't yeah. know how this year is going to end um, yet. And and I think Matt mentioned that where it's going to take until the end of this year to see what actually pans out. And so I would just add, right, I mean, we do a lot of uh, critical infrastructure, right, municipal government work, and it happens, right? The issue is uh, when, right? So things were kind of delayed end of last year, beginning of this year. Stuff is really starting to come off of hold, and we're starting to see that that work move forward again, right? It'll get done. The question is when, and then over what amount of time is it going to get completed in, right? Did I have something that used to be, and I'll making it up, right? But something that used to take 12 months, now I'd have to try to get it done in six. And, and then do you have mm -hmm. the resources and the, the ability to try to do that? Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting. Yeah. So as far as the vertical markets, you talked about mission critical and things like that. Which, uh, could you all go through which markets you, I know, and Kevin mentioned healthcare, uh, which are your strongest vertical markets? And then, um, then we can talk about which ones you think are taking the biggest hit for this year. And has your firm, uh, are you pursuing any new markets that you maybe previously didn't pursue because either the pandemic or you just changed focus uh, to become more diversified or anything like that? So in the Northeast region, we saw uh, healthcare and life science was very strong for us. Commercial took a hit due to the pandemic. And I guess people trying to figure out the hybrid workplace and what's going to happen. So that's been kind of on pause, although again, we're just starting to see, you know, some action in that, uh, in that area. So, um, but healthcare uh, was, was hot before it paused a little bit. Um, and then, uh, and then it really took off again. So that, that seems to be certainly in the Northeast area, um, especially in the three markets that we, you know, that we're heavy in, which is New York, Boston, Philadelphia. Um, which were kind of big healthcare and life science markets as well in the, in the country, um, seems to be doing really well. So, uh, so we're focusing on those. Yeah, well, we have we found the you know healthcare market is is still strong, still moving forward, still new technologies in healthcare. You know, we are also leveraged in the sports and entertainment world, which really took a nosedive on us. I mean, pretty much went to zero. Um, we're starting to see that starting to come alive again, you know, with sports and people going back into the arenas and the stadiums again, we're starting to see a little bit of pickup of that. The other surprising one to us was industrial. Um, we thought that would take a big nosedive. And surprisingly, it picked up. And uh, we were asked, I mean, and it was like Mark was kind of saying, I mean, we just had to rev up. It was fast and furious to go on these things. So uh, that was surprising to us was the industrial market being up. As far as the survey results go, um, healthcare was number one from the respondents, then education, then government, then renewables, and then power. But what was kind of interesting is education was both on the hot list and the cold list. So it just depends on who you're talking to, obviously, because they rated it the worst and then you know half the people voted it in the top. So. Well, and that, I guess, depends on, you know, is it privately owned education or is it publicly owned education? I mean, a lot of the work that we do is municipal and government based, right? And mm -hmm. it tends to be in the, you know, those verticals. And even among those areas, the hot areas that we're seeing now are, you know, uh, electrification, 
renewable energy, electric vehicles. Right. We're, we're really pushing for, and then right, depending upon how a lot of the stuff out of the infrastructure bill goes, it will result in a projects that span a lot of the verticals that exist, you know, for, for firms in this area. So kind of shifting gears to, you know, as far as the workforce goes, uh, we always ask the question about the labor shortage. Obviously, there's one in the construction market. Typically, that's been felt more by electricians, contractors. But as far as the engineering world goes, when we ask the question to the top 40 uh, list, they 70% of them said that, yes, they were having trouble or had a strain on their engineering hiring. So, And then they cited project engineer as the most difficult position to fill by far. So are you seeing similar results to that within your firms or, um, you know, what do you think about the, as far as the labor shortage, is it, is it going into the engineering world as well as the construction? Yeah, it's, it's definitely harder to find experienced engineers. Um, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a hot commodity. And uh, so, you know, we're not having trouble out of college. We have a good college recruiting program. You know, we hire 20 to 30 every year, um, mechanical, electrical engineers, typically, um, so that's not has not been an issue, but uh, but finding those experienced people is has been has been hard. Yeah, Mark, I'm I'm right there with Mark. It's been it's been very difficult getting that project manager in higher level. Um, the big the bigger thing too, we're starting to see with SSR, we're we have a lot of people who've been with the firm 30, 40 years, and now they're starting to retire. And in backfilling those baby boomers is becoming increasingly hard fill those roles and we're filling with younger positions, less experienced, uh, just because we have, we don't, we just can't find the bodies. Yeah. And I would say that we're seeing the same thing that, that both of you guys are. And I don't know if it's a consulting thing or if it's a licensure thing. And I guess I would be interested since you're here and we're on a, we to do this and kind of talk together. I'm also seeing or people are going to go into private industry, right? They're deciding that they don't necessarily want to be in the consulting business and do what we do. And, they're getting snapped up by private industry companies of the world. It's a very competitive market. Again, same thing, right? No issues. You're finding great people coming out of school, interns, co-ops, new hires. It's really those five to seven year, I would say, you know, either just before, or just after um, the first PE license. And then people are retiring and, you know, they deserve to do that. So it kind of is what it is. Right. Like, don't let them go. Yeah, that's obviously an issue. So that'll be interesting to see how we all deal with that as we go forward. So we touched on this a little bit, but could you single out some of the, the greatest short and long-term uh, factors that you think the pandemic has caught, you know, been an impact on your firm as far as um, going forward? What will be the greatest short and long-term impact from the pandemic? If you could just, I know that's kind of a big loaded question. So just any, um, you know, highlights there. I think figuring out the hybrid work policy is going to be one of the major issues going forward and, and it's tying it back to this talent acquisition issue, especially, you know, certain people are kind of happy working from home and mm -hmm. we start forcing people to come back. They may be saying, now I'll work for another company that won't force me to come back. So I think that's going to, you know, we're trying to figure out that hybrid work policy and being, you know, kind of open, you know, to, uh, you know, what will come and, and not being, you know, uh, demanding mm -hmm. uh, on that front to, to bring people back. So we're trying to be very progressive in that. And ho hopefully that will help along the, the lines of, uh, of hiring. So you haven't done that quite yet. You're still in the process of 
doing that. You haven't yet said, okay, on this day, everyone is coming back or we're going to, the managers are going to have a chance to decide on their own. Or, you know, that's kind of at our company, what we've, you know, they're going to leave it to, you know, certain groups are working really well this way. And sometimes if, you know, all the managers are fine with that, then maybe we keep it that way. And then there may be other groups who say, no, we really need those people physically bodies in here. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're not forcing anyone at the moment, um, you know, and, and don't really plan to, although, you know, our industry, many of our clients, you know, have in-person meetings. So if your project has that, you know, you're expected to attend the meetings. You're obviously we do uh, site observations. So you need to go to the site, you mm. know, and do walkthroughs. So, you know, you need to be on site or at meetings, you know, when and if required by the project, but otherwise like to sit in the office to work or not, we're letting each group kind of determine. And right now they're, each one is kind of going in, you know, maybe once a week and they're meeting as a group and talking about certain things, but the rest is being done by Zoom. People seem to be enjoying that uh, option. So uh, we'll kind of a wait and see and see how it works out. If, as long as uh, productivity doesn't drop, we'll be happy. Right, and, and then did you have a big work from home force pre-pandemic or no, not really? No, not at okay. all. Oh, do, do either of the other two of you have any thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting, Mark, you, you seem to echo almost what we're doing with SSR. I mean, we, we, you know, we had everybody from home and now we're in that transition of moving back to the office. And we originally started with the idea, oh, well, people will work two or three days in the office and then the other two at home. You know, and then we found it was one size didn't fit all. And so now we've really done it, tried to do it on an individual by individual basis. We're finding, you know, the managers because they might have young staff that's working for them. They're in the office more. Um, some other people who are more on, you know, uh, bringing work in the office may not be in the office at all. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's just that flexibility that, you know, Mark talked about that we're seeing. And I've even seen it already on interviews with, with, with uh, staff. They're, they're asking that question. How, you know, how often am I gonna have to be in the office? But you know, one of the funny thing is, and I'm sure you've seen this Mark and Matt, is it's, it, it is not one size fits all. We have people begging to come into the office. They wanna get away from their families and come into the office. <laughs> And then we have then we have others who are just love working from home and, and show that they're very productive at home. So it's it's a it's a changing thing for us all. One of the interesting things it kind of relates to what you said. I was interviewing. Uh, we have a thirty under thirty listing. Those are mostly um, from the electrical contracting uh, side of things. But yet several of them were electrical engineers who work for contractors. And so one of the questions I asked them was what they were looking for with this kind of labor shortage and what makes you as a young person um, want to work for a firm. And all of them basically said, it's not about compensation anymore. They have this younger group has have all these things. This was not even really about the pandemic. It was, um, you know, I want flexibility. I want to be able to work from home sometimes. I, a lot of these incentives were not necessarily financial. And that goes along with what Kevin was saying. And these several of them were engineers. So, um, and they were talking about, you know, we work these really, really long days. We're willing to put in the time. We're willing to do what it takes, but we want some of these different things, you know, maybe 
401k and they're, they're just their mindset. When I know when I was getting out of school, my parents and everyone had, you know, drilled into our our heads, you know, this is get a good salary, get this, get out, get a job, get out of the house, get out, you know, you're not living here anymore. So, um, you know, that, it's just a whole different mindset, I kind of think. And now with the pandemic, that's probably going to add on to that about what kind of flexibility people are expecting. Yeah, I think you're right. I think hybrid seems to be here to stay, at least for a mm-hmm. while, um, because it, it, you're right. It, everybody's looking at it, asking about it. And, uh, even, you know, as Kevin has said, you know, there are a bunch of people that want to come back and they've been in. Most of them have been in through the pandemic, right? We set up pretty early and we've had 10 maybe 10% of our staff has been in on a regular basis. Um, but uh, it sounds like it's gonna be around for a while. So we're gonna have to figure it out. It sounds nice that you guys are all being flexible though, because it certainly would probably lend itself that kind of model a little better to the engineering um, side than the contractor side. So um, it should be, that should be a little bit more doable. Have you, as far as the meetings go, do you see that? This is kind of related, but as far as the Zoom meetings and maybe some of those kind of things will change a little bit because people are just, it's just become more commonplace. It's easier. Maybe they're not going to be traveling quite as much um, and they're going to be doing collaborating a little bit more over Zoom as far as with each other and with your clients. Do you think that's something that's going to stay? Well, I hope so. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, I can only imagine that Matt and Kevin's people actually drive right, to sites a lot, and, and there's a lot of downtime or wasted time. I mean, even for us, you know, in, in the cities, you know, you're getting on mass transit. It takes me 40 minutes to get to Midtown and back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, an hour and a half for every meeting. So I'm hoping we, we can stick to the meetings uh, yeah. via Zoom as much as possible so that I don't have to lose an hour and a half, you know, for me and, and some of my staff for every meeting every day. I mean, hundreds of hours a week, if not you know, a day are, are lost that way. So, that's a great I'm with you there. I, it's going to be a mix, right? Yeah, you, you can't, you know, totally give up the face-to-face, nor should you, right? You need to, but I mean, you can do a lot of stuff this way. And, you know, one of the other things that we found too is that um, you can work across multiple time zones. Uh, you know, stuff can always be in process. There's always a way to get things done. You know, I was going to say uh, on the other part too, one of the neat things that we did last year when this all started and everybody started working remotely is that uh, we had already made all these commitments to a bunch of co-ops and interns. We kept them. They essentially all worked remote for the summer. We just mailed everybody a laptop and brought everybody on. Same thing as people are starting off this year that are coming out of college, right? They're all being onboarded virtually. And as we bring people back into the office, they'll, they'll come back into the office. That's a great point, Matt, actually, because uh, we we did the same. And we have found from some of our surveys, though, that it's it's those interns and the people that started during the pandemic that feel the least connected to the office. So that's something else that needs to be worked out in this future hybrid um, workforce um, is, you know, how do you do that effectively so that the people feel the esprit de corps of, of the firm? I think we're learning that, right? I mean, we, you know, the local office that I belong to, we just had everybody on and there've been changes. People have moved, people have come on. Um, you don't you don't have that water cooler talk anymore and you don't pass them in like the luncheonette. So how do you kind of make up for it in between? And even when people are in the office, uh, it, it's, a, it's a mix of different people at different times. So you still gotta have that. You must have to over communicate like what's going on, let's get together. You gotta be really deliberate about it. 
Yeah, Matt, I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, we, we, we went to the point of forcing a, a Wednesday, eight o'clock call, 30 minutes, everybody had to show their faces, turn their cameras on. And it was just, and it wasn't like a set, we're gonna talk about meeting schedules or anything. It was just, hey, how's it going? You know, what can we help you with kind of a thing? And then we had even try Fridays doing gaming. Oh, I mean, that was one of the things we tried to do is just having gaming where everybody could tie in through the computers and do it remotely. Um, so it's, 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 you have to be deliberate and it, it takes some effort. That's definitely creative. I like that. So that, yeah, that's, those are some great thoughts and insights about how the industry is changing and how your firms are changing with it in order to stay competitive. So um, I wanted to go into, you know, kind of wrapping up toward the end here. Um, what, do you have some major things that you think are going to be basically the next big things that we're all going to need to be watching in the electrical industry, either going forward this year in 2021 or 2022? Obviously, Matt mentioned the infrastructure plan. That's still yet to be seen what's going to happen there. Um, that obviously would be part of this discussion. But is there anything else you think are going to be big items that we really all need to be watching? Maybe electric vehicles. I've been hearing a lot about that and building up that infrastructure. I was on a call the other day where uh, you know, they had several engineers on there who were just talking about how, yeah, this is great and we're going to get there, but there's going to be a lot of things along the way that people haven't thought of yet. And how are we going to get all that uh, electricity basically to those places? And what if you have a, a Ford F-150 and it's going to take an hour and a half to, to charge it? You know, that's not going to be okay. Um, you know, I think there's so many issues there. I don't know if you guys agree that electric vehicles are one of the main things. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that, what the big things to watch are going to be? And then we can move into a discussion on infrastructure to kind of wrap it up. That's certainly one of them um, that we're seeing, right? Well, a lot of uh, a lot of buildings now are requiring massive amounts of electronic of electric charging. So and you said, as you said, this is going to be uh, interesting to find out how do we get all that power there, et cetera. We were coming down in power for many years now. Now we may be heading back up again for the uh, you know, distribution and, and the services for these buildings. The other thing we're really finding, um, you know, energy and carbon reduction is massive now. Um, you know, New York passed a law, and I think a lot of other uh, uh, cities are doing the same. Um, so, uh, you know, having basically fines or taxes for buildings that uh, that don't meet certain criteria. And I would say the third one is um, smart building design. Right, that's kind of a catch-all, but you know, every every time we go into a new project now everybody wants to know what's the latest greatest you know smart building design you know and what's coming in the next 10 years which is kind of a loaded question because you know none of us really know what's going to happen in 10 years but you know we know what's what's here or what's at least on the books to come in the next year or two so but that that we find are the kind of the three key items that come up constantly i'm in the same lines with mark i think he's hit on hit on them uh the internet of things is also one you hear a lot about just controls and how we're controlling our buildings yet making them user-friendly. That's the hard one I think we're all trying to deal with. I think as electrical engineers, Mark and Matt, I think you guys can relate to this. You know, you walk into a room, you can't even figure out how to turn the lights on anymore. Um, so we've got to do a better job with controls that they're, they're user-friendly when people walk, you know, walk into the room to use them. Um, we can make them do anything, but, uh, you know, the people got to understand it. Kevin, it's not just the double clap. <laughs> hey, Matt, Matt, Matt may not know that, okay? <laughs> no, I, I do. 
Uh, and you guys have hit it. I mean, electrification, resiliency, redundancy, you know, electric vehicles, DC fast charging, because you're not going to wait around for an hour. Or it's, or it's like three to five miles an hour on a standard like household type charger. Energy storage is a big thing too. I mean, look at Texas. What are you going to do if you're doing fuel swapping? Right? Unfortunately, you can't uh, make power from wind if the wind doesn't blow or same for solar if the sun isn't shining. So you got to figure out how to how to store it and then distribute. And the nice thing is the technology is always getting better. So there, we will answer all of these problems, right, as things develop and new things unfold. In New York, because I live a little further up state than Mark does, but, you know, power plants are being taken offline. Now you have to get power down to where it's needed, right? So now we're seeing large infrastructure investments, right, high voltage DC cables and the like. So I wish we had a crystal ball. Obviously, I'm sure you all are probably more in tune to this than I am. But as far as what you think may happen, I know it's hard to make predictions like that with the infrastructure plan. Um, do you think something will come out of that? And if so, what kind of impact will that have on your businesses specifically? And then as on the electrical industry as a whole? I mean, it's going to depend on how big it is, when it gets put in effect, you know, all those different kinds of things, which are completely out of our hands. It's interesting, you know, for, for a smaller company like us, um, especially, you know, the, the infrastructure bill now that's kind of been scaled back a bit seems to be more, you know, uh, roads, and rails and airports, et cetera. So uh, less so for us, but I think it's a significant tailwind for the, for the, uh, it, for the industry. Um, so certainly going to help, um, but I'm, I'm not sure it's going to help, you know, our business, JVB. Okay. It'll help. Uh, it'll help me. <laughs> right, we're on the larger scale, and we do a lot of the utility and infrastructure stuff. Right, so transportation. We do a lot of transportation and tolling infrastructure work. Firm was initially, you know, the the CDM portion out of CDM Smith was a large water and still is right, very large water and wastewater firm. Right, we do a lot of municipal infrastructure, so we'll, we'll continue to support a lot of that work, and that comes out of you know PFAS and a lot of other things. And then on the electrical side, right, as we move into EV and you know, building electrification and move off the fossil fuels, that's going to require all kinds of distribution, you know, and system upgrades, both on the municipal and on the kind of campus type scale, whether it's, you know, education, government, et cetera. Yeah, uh, it, for us at SSR, when I mean, we're on the same lines as like Mark, we're the same size and we're mainly, you know, we're, we're looking at more vertical infrastructure than horizontal infrastructure. Uh, we have, you know, we have a small infrastructure group, but, you know, we're, the building side, I, I, I'm still waiting to see if this is going to mean anything, a windfall for us, you know, in our industries. But I think for Matt, I mean, um, my old firm used to be a competitor to his. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, you know, a, a good thing for them. It definitely will be good for the industry as a whole. So we'll hope that that, that you know, materializes. Well, it looks like we're about out of time. Thank you so much to our group of execs for sharing their insight, industry knowledge, and experiences with us today. In closing, I'd also like to thank Associate Editor Ellie Coggins for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parsons signing off of ECNM on air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. 
And don't forget to check out the members only portal on our website for more podcasts and other content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thank you and have a great day.